Hey everyone, need something to get you going in the morning or the afternoon? Check out TrenchCoffeeCo.com. Trench Coffee originated in Las Vegas and is owned by a combat controller and his wife. Uh, they've been making coffee as a hobby for a couple of years and then decided they enjoyed it so much and they wanted to share the coffee wealth with everyone else. So check them out. They've got 10 different brews. They originally started with the Trench blend, um, but they recently started a new blend that uh, is kind of my personal favorite, which is the Brazil Cerrado. I'm probably saying that wrong again, like I do in every single promo, um, but whatever. I'm educated in South Carolina, so you can deal with it. Uh, they also sell, you know, apparel. They sell cold brew kits. They've got holiday packages going on where you can get a mug and some coffee. Uh, their normal bag sizes are 12 ounces. They do have some samplers. So if you wanted to get a handful of sampler packs, you can do that. And if you want to go all in, they definitely have five pound bags that'll keep you stocked for quite some time. Um, but if you go through coffee like I do, because it's so good, five pounds probably won't last you too long. But please go check them out. Uh, they are definitely friends of the podcast and have been for quite some time. And uh, so we want to support them and they're supporting us. Uh, so we don't get anything from it, but please go check them out. Enter the promo code ones ready to get you a discount. And then I know that sometimes they also, every time you buy a, a bag of coffee and use our promo code, they will send a bag down range or at least put some money to the side to pay for sending bags down range. So great company, great people. Jeff and Jerrica are amazing. So go support them. Check them out. Trench Coffee Co. That's trenchcoffeeco.com. I'm not good at intros to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here in the team room. It's Peaches and myself. We brought on some pilots for you today because you guys always ask us about pilots. And I found the two coolest pilots that we could possibly ever find. C-17s are so hot right now. The Instagram account do be popping. The guy is strong as shit. He does my favorite thing ever, which is he speaks only in kilograms when he talks about working out, which makes me have to do math. <laughs> so he's like, hey, I hit a 200 kilogram squat. And I'm like, son of a 2.2 times two. And then I get mad because I can't because I can't do that much. But welcome to the podcast, guys. I'll let you introduce yourself. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Uh, my name is Emily Barkmeyer, C-17 pilot, along with my husband. Uh, we've been doing it for eight years now. Um, traveling the world, dropping stuff and dudes and having a good time. And then I'm uh, Jared Barkmar, same, same timeline as her. We, uh, we were only like uh, one pilot training class away, three weeks away, and then uh, went straight to C-17s. And I certified the exact same timeline. We've been uh, eight years, two assignments, uh, McCord and Hickam, and then um, have two babies along the way. And it's, uh, we're oh, right snap. Here, uh, yeah, so in the middle of all that, too, so. Congrats. And that's one of the reasons, <laughs> yeah, congrats. That's one of the reasons <laughs> we actually wanted to have you guys on because you have such a unique story. The fact that you guys are married, you're often flying together. You're often, you know, obviously stationed together and doing that stuff. And that is just the epitome of like making it work. Like I can barely figure out how to maintain a personal relationship in my own life. You can ask, <laughs> you can ask Peaches what a pain it is to, to be a friend with me. But um, we really wanted to dive into, you know, not dive into your relationship. Like, surprise, we're going to dive into your relationship <laughs> on this podcast. Um, but we really wanted to talk to you about how that all works back or, or how that all how that all works. And, it, you know, it's obviously awesome watching you guys on, on IG and, and your travels and stuff. But I'm going to take it all the way back to the beginning. So, you know, I'll start with you, sir. Did, 
did you always know that you wanted to be a pilot? Uh, I, I did actually like in uh, high school. Um, uh, the first time I like rode Southwest Airlines out of a, a small plane in Albuquerque, New Mexico, like that feeling in your pit of your stomach when you take off and it's like weightless feeling. I was like, man, that's kind of neat. Well, now I found out that's not like really supposed to be common. That's, you know, <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> you should, you're not supposed to happen. But I was like, this is fun. Let's do this for my, my dad was in the Navy uh, four years. Just to, he worked on uh, aircraft carriers on the airway. So he kind of had the aviation bug and he was like, hey, you should, uh, oh, you want to be a pilot? He's like, well, there's this place that I don't have to pay for right up the road. Like, I grew up in New Mexico and so far Springs. And it's like, you should try to go in that uh, to the academy. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. It's like everybody out there is a pilot that want to be. Oh, sounds great, Dad. I had no idea what I was getting into or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, I wanted to go there to play sports and everything like that. So, um, sorry. Um, just wanted to go play sports and then be a pilot afterwards. And then I, once I got there, I stayed for totally different reasons than when I initially went there. Um, but uh, didn't really look back after that. And then uh, didn't know what I wanted to fly in pilot training until I got there and then talked to all the other users and all the, uh, the MBS from the people that are um, – instructors and then fell in love with C-17. It was kind of the new hotness. I'm a very like, tech-savvy tech prone guy. Like, that's the newest plane that's not a fighter. And I was like, that's the one I want. So that's how I want. Hey, everybody. We had a little technical difficulty with our audio and our visual, but our editor managed to fix it. Uh, so we didn't really miss much. So hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Bye. Yes. Nice <laughs> your time on the plan. And then uh, everyone's like, you get to the end. And they're like, oh, what if this happens? Like, God bless it. All right, so yeah. contingencies are something we're solid at. What if honey badgers <laughs> are able to communicate and they can start forcing us to do things because of their communication? You're like, great. Now my plan sucks because I didn't think about the honey badgers. <laughs> yeah. We got to have this talk for two more hours. Uh, I just have the joke everybody out like, there. Oh, ahead, sorry. No, I'm just going to let everybody know we uh we had a little technical difficulties, but we're back. And now we're talking about contingency planning because the Bark Myers. <laughs> is that how you say your last name? Is it Bark Myers? Yeah. Yep, okay, the Bart Myers are adept contingency planners. I, I we had them on like it was the pilot that sucked me in, but now it's the planner that's going to keep me. Here. So I just want to give you the kudos because you guys absolutely crushed it. Well, it is our career field does have. I mean, man, all the the senior guys will uh, you brief a plan and then uh, for how you're going to fly a sortie or something, you know, especially an airdrop, and then they're like, okay, well, that's a great plan, but you know, what if this happens? And you're like, uh, and then you just roll your eyes, and but then sure enough, you know, like one time I was like, "What if the DZ catches fire?" And we all joke, but I did an operation, uh, training, <laughs> training, uh, and the DZ caught fire. And I was like, <laughs> I was, I, it, was, "It was a culmination of my, my airdrop and instructor upgrade to become a lead airdropper, uh, and everything went off perfect. All the everyone was on time. All the tankers got airborne, and sure enough, the DZ caught fire, and the jumpers had to uh, start dropping. <laughs> so. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I, I can tell you as the canopy commander, when I look at a DZ and it's on fire, there's a good bad scale that I go by. That's a, that's bad. When I look down in the, the place that I'm supposed to land is in flames. That's bad. Uh, man, we were talking earlier about, you know, kind of the pipeline experience. How was your pipeline? What was the hardest part for you to get through um, when you were doing your pilot training? You know, this is going to sound super arrogant, but nobody ever told me that pilot training was hard. No one. Like, we talk to pilots all, all the time. No one ever was like, hey, just so you know, pilot training is a kick to the face. And it fucking was, man. <laughs> um. maybe, maybe we're going about it the wrong way, Peaches. Maybe by telling people how hard the pipeline is, maybe we're scaring it. Maybe we should stop telling people that. And it'll be 
it'll be just like the man if she just breezed right through it because no one told her she was supposed to worry about it it's all those yeah. seed, you know planted <laughs> seeds in the brain about how terrible it's gonna be <laughs> yeah so that was the hardest part was like caging my myself and my brain to be like oh damn okay like throttle up you know most people come into training like full throttle as they should and me no i was like i don't know what to expect and so i did not start probably how i should have um but once so it's 12 hour days every day which uh when you're learning something new and you're trying to have time to like process that information, you know, commit it to memory. It was a lot. So you're, you're learning something new. Like I said, I never flown an airplane before. So, and some people have hands and some people don't, but that's only part of being a good pilot. So, uh, yeah, I was kicking the face, but after the first six months, you kind of settle into a groove and, and handle the rest of it. It's you, you talk about the, the 12 hours, right? 12 hour days. It's a lot to handle. You don't necessarily have a lot of downtime to do, to then go back and, and process everything that you're learning. That's a, it's a real interesting concept that we, we do that with nearly every single military, whether it's air force, army, whatever, and, and any job. And that's part of that, that whole, as silly as it is, and is is essentially easy as the ASVAB is like, we're looking for people that are able to train quickly, especially on the officer side of the house. It is, it is definitely like you guys are just getting crammed with academics, crammed with, um, you know, technical expertise, especially in the flying world. And you really, I mean, it, these are some long days. You, okay. So 12 hours, right? 12 hours of academics, but you guys are doing so much more on the, on the front end and on the back end, especially once you've already at, at a, at a squadron, um, and even more so, you started talking about like the weapon school and stuff like that. But it's just, there's a lot on the front end, a lot of in the back end. And you guys are burning, burning the candles like on both ends. It's crazy to me to watch. I mean, we do yeah. the same thing, but, but we really put a lot on pilots, I think. You know, that's something I, I love about the Air Force. I, you, I hate it when I'm in the middle of it, but the fire hose effect is like you either have the aptitude to do this or you don't. And I'm not going to waste time training you if you don't have the aptitude to handle it, which I respect the hell out of. Um, it sucks while you're in the middle of it, but that's how we produce yeah. the best pilots. Yeah, it really does. And that's, we, we always laugh at that when we try to talk to our listeners or to the people that are interested in coming in AFSPEC war. It's really the devil is in those in, in those details. And it's funny, like how many times you know, the four of us have kind of been like, oh, your career field is exactly like mine, or you guys have the same problems that we do, or wow, your training really isn't that much different. But it's, it's hard to try to get, you know, a candidate or somebody that wants to be a pilot or somebody that wants to be a, you know, a combat controller or whatever. It's hard to explain those, those details that really get you like, okay, you've been training, you know, your entire, you know, six months to, to come do this job. Well, I'm going to make you work 12 hour days. It's going to be um, administratively intense. It's going to be academically intense. You're going to have to take on a ton of new information and then perform on a timeline that nobody else does. Oh, by the way, you still have to have a life afterwards. We expect you to be physically fit. Yeah. We expect you to get enough sleep. We expect you to you know, show up on time with a good attitude and be like mentally well-adjusted. You can't be toxic in the team room. That's when, when you put all those things together, that's when the problems really start to show. That's when you, you're really like, wow, 
this really is stressful. And it's funny to hear you two talk about it. You know, sir, I, you came in like fresh out of the Academy, fresh out of six months of just beating up on cadets and teaching combatives. And you were throttled all the way up. And then, ma'am, it's funny to hear you, you were, you were just completely living in the white, like, Oh, check it out. Pilot training. Um, so how, how did you guys, when, like, I'll, I'll ask first, like, when did, when did you guys realize when, when did you look across the room and go, Oh, Hey, what's, what's up? You're a pilot too, huh? <laughs> uh, well, I first noticed her, uh, at, at the Academy, uh, on the track team, uh, my sophomore year, uh, she ran by, um, is she faster than by. you? Just tell me right now, does, does she outrun you still today? Anything over maybe like a like a hundred meters, she'll uh, she got some, <laughs> she got, some, got some distance. She can, got him. I got, like, the, I got the quick burst. Wheels. Yeah, I got yeah. You're you're good for a you're good for a short sprint, but she's got you in anything with distance. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I was a I definitely uh, I was a thrower at the academy, not a runner. So um, short burst is what I was doing, and then uh, saw her, and I was like, man, she's obviously uh, very attractive, and. And then uh, started talking to her. I was like, oh, wow, she's like a certified, you know, badass, very confident. And obviously, I was drawn, drawn to that portion of her more than her looks. Um, uh, the confidence and all that stuff brought me in. So, and then we dated for most of the academy. We broke up a little bit towards uh, about senior year. We broke up and then we weren't together on casual um, status. And then we ended up going to the same um, pilot training base, which was really fortuitous because she was supposed to go to a different one. Um, I was still in love with her, admittedly. Um, but I was trying to, trying to get over. This is the nicest. To... This is the nicest podcast we've ever put out. Listen, even if nobody listens to it, I'm just glad to be part of this journey. Uh, it's I mean, yeah, it's it kind of a happy story too. But uh, so she was supposed to go to Pensacola, and then Pensacola Navy training there, and it closed down. And I was going to Oklahoma, and then I remember the day I found out uh, we were both casual, and she was going to Oklahoma too. And I was like, I was mad. I was mad happy. I was like, no. But then I was like, yes, she's coming. Um, <laughs> Back to, to where I'm at, and then uh, we through the initial pilot training, we kind of uh, rekindled the flame uh, at the beginning, and then shared suffering will always bring people together, uh, and then it brought us together uh, in that in that respect, and then never looked back since really. So, that's what I knew but, it was sophomore year. <laughs> and you oh, guys nice. have you guys have followed each other for you know since then, like you left pilot training, and now you're at the same squadron together, and now you're even on a on a trip, we'll just say a trip. I won't. I won't call it a deployment, but a, a trip together. <laughs> well, yeah, and we've been that's really fortunate. We, yeah, that's that's awesome. And the the part that I wanted to talk about there is like all the way through your pipeline, like you had that built in support system where you could no kidding come home and just be like, I've had it with this instructor. Or how how are you feeling about this event? Did you feel like that had to be a huge help, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a, it was a huge, huge help uh, because uh, even three weeks ahead of in the, in the pipeline or in the, in the training is, is an eternity because you and I was three weeks ahead of her. Um, so I would always be like, you know, feeding secrets back. But at the same time, when I'm feeding <laughs> secrets back on, uh, you know, on these things, um, I mean, whenever you guys know this, when you instruct, you actually learn the, the, the information a lot more. The Air Force is unique in that way where we make people instructors way too early than they should be. Uh, but when you're when you're instructing someone or teaching, uh, uh, you learn the the stuff so much more better. So while she was learning from me and still teaching me at the same time, I was obviously getting uh, better by going through the curriculum a second time. Or if she asked that, or but I mean, it was back and forth because even three weeks, she she was still teaching me tons of things. Yeah, and that's not even exclusive to pilot training. We still 
constantly. I'm like, Hey, what would you do in this situation? Like, I, this is my decision-making process. Like, what do you think? You know, like we're constantly making each other better. And, um, and, uh, it's just, it's a huge, I think it's what makes us so successful. Oh, 100%. Sharpening iron, huh? All right. <laughs> way, to, way to put that one in there. Are there, are there any other sheepdog quotes that we want to put into this? I'm going to try. I'm going to nope. see how many I can put in there. <laughs> That's fantastic. We get the question a lot when somebody is like, you know, I'm I'm with a spouse and I want to do this thing. For us, obviously, it's it's aspect war, but we've gotten the same question for, you know, pilots and, and in the mil- military in general. And you you guys are making it work. You guys are able to support each other and and, and follow along. What has been some problems that you guys have had that really put stresses on, on your relationship? You know, it was all fun and games until we had kids. And that is just a super added layer of complications and um, scheduling con- deconfliction and, and stuff like that. Because um, we both love our jobs and love flying around the world and like executing the mission. But obviously that takes a backseat to family at home. So I think the hardest has been just like schedule deconfliction or, um, you know, like I'll go on a, on the road for two weeks. I'll come home and slap hands with Jared and he's like, all right, I'm out. You know? So, um, sometimes we don't see as much of each other as we would like, but we uh, very fortunately have incredible family and in-laws that, um, support us and they'll come out and watch the kids so we can do things like we're doing right now. And, um, so we have that added flexibility. Our relationship was built into this, so I mean, we kind of we grew together. Our relationship has grown through the Air Force. It's not like we were together and then, uh, uh, you know, had to go figure out this thing and uh, go on trips. You know, we 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 grew together. This first time we were going on trips was when we were married already, so we didn't. Uh, and then it's just comfort. It's not um, when the other person understands what you're doing on the road. It's so much easier as opposed to a lot of the times people think you're just like, oh, you're just having TDY, you're having a good time, you're out with the boys. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, but I know, like, yeah, you're left. They're letting off steam because you're working, you know, 24 hour days, and then you finally got a good deal. So take it, you know, like go have some fun. Let your steam off. You got to let that let let those releases go, or they'll they'll pimp up, and we're not robots. So yeah, you're 100. percent You have you have that that mutual understanding and that mutual support uh, from somebody who has gone and is going exactly through the same thing you are. That's that's fundamentally uh, healthy, if you will. I like it. I like it. We're, you know, this you like is that? a really good one. I do. Yeah. This is a wholesome podcast it, right here. This is just wholesome, <laughs> wholesome AF. This is my favorite podcast I think that we've ever done. Uh, so when, when you guys, so pilot training complete, you guys, obviously you're married the entire time. And that's a, that's a funny dynamic too. Cause even as you were, as you were talking through it, that's so opposite to what we all do. You know, you get in the pipeline as a, as a younger, you know, dude or, you know, at this point, do dad. And sometimes, you know, you're married. You know, when I went through the second time, I was, you know, married and had kids and the whole deal. Um, you know, but the, the first time I went through, like, it really is like you're figuring who am I as a person out? And then you're figuring what is this job all about? And then hopefully you meet somebody and then you kind of bring them into, into that world. Well, you guys, you guys were there, you know, to quote Bane, you know, you were you were born in it. You were molded by the military, you know, kind of structure. And uh your relationship kind of grew out of that. That's kind of cool. Like when you guys got out of training and you finally got to your first base, what was the, there had to be the first flight, right? Like the first time that you guys were allowed to fly together. And I've seen the stories you guys are talking about. You guys fly together pretty often, right? Yeah. Fly formation together. So we can't fly the same plane together. Um, we take 
simulator check rides together usually. Um, mm -hmm. But I vividly remember the first formation we flew together. I was flying back from Pope and he was mm -hmm. flying a local that day. And we did a, we did a rejoin over Idaho, I think, um, and went and did some AR, some air refueling. And I think we might've done some airdrop too. Yep. And then I went home and he like continued on with his training. So, but it, I remember, it, I'll never forget it. It was like a core memory, you know, like <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> right. Definitely. It had to be so cool. Uh, sir, was she critiquing your AR? Did you hear on, on the radio? You're like, hey, you're you're like five. You're like five left, and can you put your flaps to actually forty percent because they're not. Yeah, no, definitely. It's interesting hearing. Our, I mean, uh, I, I remember the the first uh, call because um, we on HF radios, uh, the, the longer range radios, and you hear her, and she's uh, she's just a, her co-pilot drops at the time, but she was with uh, 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 um, an instructor, so she, he was letting her fly, you know, the, as a commander you will and uh hear her on the radio and you know you just get that little wholesome heart feeling you know um and, but yeah rejoin and then uh, just but we do we do jests and stuff you know because you, you can hear when someone's on the radio doing ar and how you can you can tell how it's going on the common frequency but she's she was jacking it on so yeah <laughs> yeah hey don't, yeah. don't think i didn't bust at him once Said, yeah. on the radio and he threw me he flew me through a thunderstorm and i was like don't ever do that to me again how dare you how dare you we are going to talk about i would love to be on that radio because it would it's literally like mom got mad at dad like everybody on the back end of that entire aircraft is like oh they're gonna they're gonna have to have a talk when they land <laughs> now are you guys are you guys not flying together is that something written for the reg or is that something that you guys just have established yeah yeah it's in the rig um really very fine print but yeah so you can't so i could operate with him as a passenger um but we cannot be on the same crew orders together hmm. interesting uh, it, yes. it's that 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 your situation comes up enough that they have to put it into a regulation and I, yeah, I, same I thing with the uh, brothers uh so, so like if you're like brothers we didn't we have some uh, friends that are brothers and they're not allowed to be on the same orders kind of i think it's like honestly i think it's rooted in like saving private ryan rules yeah um, mm -hmm. they just kind of kept that mentality um but it is unique that like uh we can fly formation together there's something that says that i'm sure if they like looked at the rules like maybe we shouldn't allow this either so we're, we're already seeing <laughs> but uh we've had a yeah. great time flying formation together and it's it's uh, it's amazing it's like i'm very fortunate um to do that and every time it's special yeah no, no it's it's because we have we have a handful of of PJs and controllers that are our brothers. Some of them were were twins, and they would be deployed at the same time. They were just at a different fob. So I mean, I guess that still um, still meets the intent. But it was interesting. And and uh, Emily, I did catch the inside out reference to core members. I I got that. <laughs> I, I didn't go, it didn't go unnoticed. I got it. That's how you could tell. That's how you could tell parents right there. And you could tell exactly yeah. how old the kids are is by what movie they want to watch on repeat. If y'all want to, I watched it in Canto last night. If you guys want to break in the song at any point of this, you let me know. No, because we don't talk about Bruno. Right? We don't Bruno. talk about Chill. Bruno. We absolutely do Most not talk about Bruno. Guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly the most so are, are you are both of you up at, at mccord or i mean, I mean obviously like not right now you're not but yeah we're at hickam so we've been in hickam for oh, yeah. three and a half years um and we 
they don't. So when we were young, we were in the same squadron, but ever since um, we PCS out to Hickam, we've never been in the same squadron. So they try to keep us under different raiders. Um, but that's the only, that's really the only thing that they take okay. into account. So real okay. talk, how much of a pain in the ass are jumpers on the back of the bird? Like, are we real divas or oh, are absolutely we, you not. know, like have fun to have on board? <laughs> you, guys, you guys are a breath of fresh air. Like, it's always fun. And that's another reason we, we kind of chose C-17 is because we, we, we've heard about the joint aspect of everything. Um, and uh, we're, we travel the world. But then once you're like, you know, I'm kind of, kind of in that position where I'm kind of burnt out traveling the world. And right now we're just doing a lot of training, which is good. Um, and so going working with the users is my favorite thing right now. Uh, international uh, joint is just that's I love that. I love briefing you guys. I think some of my briefs even are that the jumpers are pretty like, wow, this guy's really, really happy to be doing this. And I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> let's let's I'll sling you guys wherever you want to be, you know, wherever you want to drop, whatever altitude uh, doesn't matter to me. Uh, you guys are not divas in, in the least for the or at least the users I've worked with. Uh, Okay, I was gonna say, yeah, you ain't jumping with Aaron yet. Yeah, yeah, you just you wait, my guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that happiness right out of that brief for you. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be double checking computers. I'm not gonna be trusting GPSs. I got a bunch of weird hand signals that I would like to introduce you to. It's pretty much it's really really a good time. So, ma'am, what's your favorite part of the entire mission? Then, if if you know if the hubbies is you know doing doing airdrops and precision airdrops, especially with jumpers and uses in the back, what's your favorite part? I, I mean, I hate that we're so similar because it's like, God, do you have your own personality? But <laughs> um, sure. I airdrop is the most fun. And it's I think I get satisfaction out of it for different reasons. But it's really challenging to, to be like a perfect airdropper. Like if you, I've never had a perfect airdrop flight. Um, and so I like the challenge. I like the challenge of working together. You know, when we're airdropping, there's so much going on upstairs. Like I don't have time to double check everything that my co-pilot is doing. So like, I truly have to trust that person and I truly have to instruct them well enough that they're not going to drop you guys off easy because they're the ones sending you out. I'm the one flying us where we're supposed to go. So um, that's what I really enjoy about it. And I do like meeting people and, you know, trying to understand, you know, the different lenses that uh, the different entities we work with view the, the mission or the operation through and try to just be better so that we give you the best product that we can. So that's what I like about it. Uh, I got news for you. Every airdrop for us isn't perfect either. Yeah. <laughs> news, yeah. It can get a little sporty under canopy, whether it's static <laughs> line or, uh, or free fall, like no jump is perfect for us either. So I wouldn't worry about it. Um, I did want to ask being, you know, a combat controller and stuff like that. Like, what is it like for you guys to land on a dirt strip, especially one that is, you know, that you guys are going to have to get on the, on the brakes quite a bit? It's, it happens so fast and it's usually, you know, at night under nogs, right? So um, you don't see a whole lot. You just have to trust that what you're looking at in front of you is where you're supposed to be and, and uh, execute. And um, obviously it gets real dusty. I've never landed at a, on a LZ, um, during the day. So, um, and I've only, I've never done a training one either. It's all, it's all been operational. Um, mm. so yeah, it's, it's fast and you're like, Oh, thank God we made it. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I always love it. Cause as the guy in the back, I'm saying the same thing. It's good to know that the people in the cockpit and the people in the back are all saying the same. Oh God. Okay. We made it. Okay. All so right. Can we, can we get out of here? I'm terrified. Yeah. 
My heart rate's at 195 just talking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's some sporty LZs out there. I mean, you got – okay, so even under MVGs for – I'm, I'm not telling you guys this because you already know this, but for the listeners out there, I mean, depending on the construct of the soil, the alum that's out there, um, the type of lighting and stuff like that, like it can – just because you're under MVGs, you you can still have some depth perception issues, whereas you don't know. Like you're you're very you're trusting your your instincts, you're trusting your instruments, you're trusting your crew members, and you're coming in. And it's it is one of those things of both. I and I can only imagine for you guys because we're in the back. You know, maybe we're up on the ICS listening, maybe not. You know, and it's just you guys are just <laughs> sending it. You're sending it. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to see. I stopped listening. I stopped. Uh, I, I started pulling that little <laughs> pin on my my communicator box. I, like I I, just, I don't even want to know. Like about ten years ago, I was just like, you know what? If this thing burns in, I don't want to hear the discussion that leads up to it. Like you just let me know. Like just turn some bells on for me in the back and let me know what's going to happen. But you know, I, I don't want to be involved in the conversation leading to my death. So uh, now that we're now that we're all talking about our untimely deaths, like flying is dangerous. You guys do it uh, and and a an impossible task, right? Like humans are not supposed to fly. We figured out a way to do it. And now you're the purveyors of that flight, right? But nothing goes perfectly. So do you guys have something that sticks out in your mind, maybe an IFE or maybe one of those landings that you're like, Holy, holy crap. That was close. Mm, yeah, we all, I mean, there's a few, if you have one, you could on the top, I'll put you on the spot, but if not, I can go. I, uh, recently I went to Diego Garcia and uh, I don't know if you've ever been in there, but it's just a tiny little island out in the middle of the ocean that's constantly surrounded by thunderstorms. And uh, we were coming in in the middle of the night. Crosswinds were at 30 knots, which is our limit. And there was a storm on one end of the field, like quickly coming to the approach end of the runway. And uh, when you go to remote destinations like that, you don't, you don't, they don't have to give you an alternate airfield. They can just give you fuel to hold in lieu of an alternate. And uh, the storm that on the weather was supposed That doesn't sound safe at to... all, ma'am. That, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't... This is the best that we've come up with? That's our answer for this? Just, here's Throw some, some more fuel? <laughs> this, doesn't, this doesn't make... Okay, you One know what? This story sounds like... like... Oh, shit, man. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, the storm was supposed to stay over the field for like six hours. So like I, we had one chance to get in here or we were in, we were going to be in a, like a tough situation. And so uh, we put it down and it wasn't pretty, but it was safe and we landed. And I think we all breathe, breath, breathed, had a sigh. I think it's breathed. We were just like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. That's. But extremely, that's extremely capable is. platform, extremely capable pilots too. Like, I mean, that's, that's what you guys train for those, those kind of, yeah, the, the landing on McCord or Hickam or wherever, like that's fine. But it's, it's those times where it's thunderstorms, it's crosswinds, it's mm -hmm. combat zones. Like that's why, yeah. that's why you guys are trained the way you are. Yeah. My story is, uh, is, uh, I have the thunderstorm stories for days too. Cause those are always like weather gets a vote and the enemy gets a vote. You guys probably got those in your cool briefings. Yep. Uh, cool guys pointing and stuff. Super but, cool. Uh, yeah. We uh, have, we have a whole book. It's written by peaches. It's just catchphrases. <laughs> it's like the only easy day you started off and you say, Hey guys, I'm, I'm your combat controller for the day. The only easy day was yesterday. Slide. 
He's got a tattoo on his bicep. <laughs> That's right, brother. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing so hard because I like. I, like here's, my, here's my bicep yeah. tattoo. Anyway. All right, continue. Like that. Uh, okay, continue. Well, uh, so it's, <laughs> the training that we we get is for those moments where, and then it's just that they they do train us and spend lots of money training us because there's there's situations you can't prepare for, right? That's another cliche, but absolutely, I was uh, landing at one of those dirt fields that I've been to a couple times downrange uh, in NBGs, and uh, I was taking a, a younger guy there to get them like signed off on it and. Uh, very excited because I mean, like, you get amped for these things, right? You, you check in or you hear the secure comm click, uh, with you know, like some cool guy named Tombstone or Night Raider, uh, and they're, <laughs> they're clearing you to land, and you're like, All right, we're here, baby, like in the dark at night. Uh, this is what I trained for, and then, like, I, you know, we get, we're doing a high tactical descent, um, everything's going according to plan, and then you know, you get you're, the jets like, Nope, I don't want to do this, and they, they have uh, malfunctions or flight controls or something. Um, and then you have to make a split decision where is it something I can, I need to land here? Do I gotta get, you know, find the, the safest way to aggress out of here? Um, and, uh, it's really hard to, to, when your fangs out to, to pull back and be like, you know what, we, we can live to fight another day. Let's go, let's get, I'm not going to put this plane in an unsafe position just to land here. I'm possibly be stuck here. And then I, I got to think about, you know, in a split second, I got to think about the second and third order effects of this plane's going to be here. Maybe now, uh, stuck, broken, and people are going to have to, and now it's a huge target, uh, a liability here. Um, so these, this stuff can wait till tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, let's just take this bird back out and then uh, not land and get out of here. So those that, that was yeah. probably the toughest one when I was landing. And I, I had I was fangs out and I had to pull back and say, you know, what, not not today. Let's uh, let's not risk it tonight. Let's uh, go back. And that's and that's tough. Um, and not just for you guys, but for us on the ground. Like, you know, if 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 you guys are doing a resupply drop and we've been out there for a week and we only have, you know, we're black on ammo and we're, you know, hurting on food and water. And that's frustrating for us. But at the same time, like we have a very, very fangs out, you know, just like you guys. And sometimes it can be more difficult to recognize it, throttle back and go like, hey, listen, <laughs> here are, is everything that could happen if things go wrong on this. Let's just let's pause for 12 hours or let's do, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's as easy as a go around like, okay, whatever. But sometimes you got to be able to recognize that. And, and again, that's what we pay you guys for. So one of, one of my questions I want to ask, cause I know, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but um, it's one of those things that for, for us, whether it's, you know, doing live fire shooting, whether it's doing close air support and routing safety of flight and jumping and stuff like that, complacency kills for us. Like if, if, if I'm not getting nervous on a 25,000 hey ho jump, you know, jump it out into the night, like I probably, it's time for me to, to move on and do something else. If I'm not getting a little bit, you know, like amped for that. Um, is it same for you guys? Complacency kills. You're out there doing locals, uh, local pattern work, and then, you know, shit can go wrong. Absolutely. Um, especially in formation or airdrop, like if you're flying along and you're not doing something, you're wrong. Like you don't have enough time. Like you should be doing something constantly. So if you're sitting there and you're like, huh, I have like two minutes to myself. No, you missed something. So <laughs> no, you don't. Um, That's somebody else's time. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you're like, oh, shit. I don't know what it is, but you know, and you go back to your habit patterns and stuff. So 
um, yeah, complacency definitely kills it, especially in Hawaii. It's difficult because we don't have a great training environment out there. Um, the Hawaiian islands are, are not the best place to train in. And so uh, it can be really easy to just be aloha and kind of chill and pull back. And, um, and that AOR is probably not the best mindset. So we see it every day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to explain, but it's easy to, to, to see it in somebody else. Right. So it's, it's a hard thing to explain, but that tactical momentum that's sitting there for a minute and you're, you're literally not doing anything. And then you start to get worried. You're like, wait a second. Why don't I have anything to do? This is not an okay feeling to me. Exactly. You're just like, Oh no, what's whole, oh, this is not good. Um, we, we use, you know, in the pipeline with our students, we call it tactical momentum. When you feel that tactical momentum slipping away from you, when you feel like you're not in control, of the scenario that's a very distinct feeling and it's funny to hear you explain it because we you know peaches and i our, our heads were going north south um the entire time because we're like oh yeah we we totally knows you know what that what that feels like but um so we we got through jblm so it's you guys are missing the summer here right now it's it's starting to be very very beautiful by the way uh it's the only time of year here that it's nice is from really like april to september but and now down at hickam but what what's next for for you both where are you guys going uh, we're going to the, the schoolhouse, so we're going to go teach at uh, Altus America, uh, so to get the next generation right. So you spend, uh, we're fortunate to have two operational assignments, to, um, McCord first and then Hickam, and then uh, at, now we're going to get to share that knowledge with the next generation. Um, airdropping uh, ratios in the C-17 are about 10%, uh, 10 to 15, I want to say, percent. Uh, so if you're an, an evaluator, airdropper, an instructor, airdropper, um, the pool is small, so you're gonna to have to go back to Altus. Uh, is usually what happens. It's hard to we tried we tried some different rip cords and none of them uh, deployed. So we're uh, we got Altus as our as our next assignment. Right. But now we're now that we've uh, bought into that, um, we're super excited uh, because obviously you've kind of found uh, some of the stuff from social media. But the next thing I'm most passionate about is like trying to get the next people to do what we do because I didn't know what I was getting into. And if I would have known, I absolutely would have done it again. But now I'm trying to spread that 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 story and get these, these people like, look, this is an amazing thing that we do. No matter what your career field is, you're going to meet the best people in the world. So we're going to Altus, um, and I'm excited about it. And she's uh, she's excited, too. She, I don't want to speak for her too much, but the restaurant scene is a little <laughs> lacking. Uh, we're a little bougie sometimes. <laughs> that's like the biggest, the biggest uh, uh, heartache there. So, Girl, <laughs> listen, same. Same, same. Like I, I always make a joke. Like the the running joke with me and my friends is if you if you find me dead competing in some sort of like off duty extreme sport, like Aaron died wingsuit flying. No, he did not. You know what Aaron likes? Aaron likes three star Michelin restaurants. He likes new food spots, and he he likes to go out. Like I exactly, I do jujitsu. Is the only thing that is even close to anything that I do at work, and everything else it involves me like looking for the best reviews of a taqueria on Yelp. Thank you very much. So, I feel you. Um, well, you know, sir, the, I I definitely love like exactly what you just said, right? That new generation. So, give me your elevator pitch, and this is this is why we wanted to have you on, right? We, we want to start bringing in kind of all of these tribes that are really passionate about their career field. So, sir, ma'am, give me your give me your 30 second elevator pitch for that for that candidate, for that person that doesn't know what they want to do. They want to do something bigger. They're not really that sure. How do you make them into C-17 pilots? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know what no time limit it's all you uh, uh, I'll, 
I would say like if you're on the fence about joining and I get so many comments on social media like is it hard I'm like yeah it is that's but it's okay that's the second thing yes it's difficult but that's okay and anything worth you know worth it is worth doing obviously is um, it's tough but that's totally okay and it's more rewarding because of it so if you're on the fence of doing of, of thinking about joining for whatever you want to do special you know flying whatever it is just do it and then if you if you sign up for a, a wrong reason you're gonna find out pretty quick. Um, and that's okay too, because you might find a reason to stay. That was me. Like I went to the academy. Obviously, I wanted to be a pilot, um, but when I got there. I kicked in the teeth and a little bit, and then went into sports more so. And I was like, I'll just do this. And then um, met the people. And that was the biggest thing. I was like, man, I'm gonna stay because these are the greatest humans uh, I've ever been around, um, and I really enjoy working with them. And that's why I picked a crew aircraft. Um, it's, it's, it's like if you're on the fence about joining, um, just do it. You know, and research as much as you can. And now, in modern days, we we have a lot more information at our at our, uh, at our fingertips, literally. So, uh, ask questions, ask me, ask those people that you can find on social media, and then hopefully, most of them really they'll tell they you know tell you the truth. You know what you're getting into. Yeah. What about um, you, ma'am? What do you got? What what would you say to those those prospective C seventeen pilots out there? I would say there's something for everyone. Things that I love, traveling the world, trying different food, meeting new people, experiencing different cultures, being challenged physically and mentally in my job. Um, and I get those nearly every day in my job. Like it's incredible. Every day that I go on a mission, it's a new adventure. I will be faced with new challenges. I will be faced with new rewards. I will have a good time no matter what. Um, I love the people I work with. I obviously love the airplane that I fly. Like it's not all, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but going through the shit to get to it is worth it. Outstanding. And that feels like a great place to end. Thanks for coming <laughs> on guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, you, you can find them on Instagram at he pilots, or you can find a fly with Emily. So go follow them both and then follow their adventures throughout the world. I personally like it. I saw our home drop zone the other day and I was very excited about it. I even sent you a message. I was like, Oh, look, great. Look at great farmer right out back of the two, two. There we go, baby. Um, we really appreciate you having, uh, you having the time to come on here and, and spreading the love about the C-17 crew field. It's awesome. I don't think it gets enough love. You guys are, are, are professionals through and through. I've always loved working with you and we get to work a lot um, with the C-17s out here at JBLM. So again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for making time. Everybody else out there, follow us over at uh, onesready.com or on the Instagram. Come say hi to us on the personal pages. Make sure to follow the sir and the ma'am for more awesome C-17 content. Thanks for uh, thanks for you guys coming out. We're done here. Have a great one. Train hard. Thanks, thanks for having us.